Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I am Jacob Johnson, and I am in Pennsylvania, sadly, uh, and I am joined today, as always, with my brother Bruce Johnson in Hello. the lovely state of South Dakota. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, thank you all for listening today and uh, or and or watching. Uh, but as you can probably see or even hear, uh, you're hearing my voice or watching my face <laughs> as I'm talking. And uh, it's a little bit abnormal from our typical episodes. And that is because Bruce is feeling a little bit under the weather to where he doesn't feel up to talking as much. He has a sore throat and stuff like that. I'm dying, and, as we established yeah. on Monday. So mm-hmm. I got two it, or three days has, left. That's it. It has been an extent. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so the reform dissenters will be done. <laughs> No, Which stinks because this was yeah. uh, kind of a momentous episode for us. Oh yes, yeah, all right. Oh my goodness! Thanks for my thanks sure. for the reminder. Um, <laughs> today, right, is a special day, right, and I get to host it, and Woo. it uh, because it is our one hundredth episode. I don't have a party favor, but yeah, that would need be to, the perfect. We need to get a soundboard. I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just run over but, to Chocolate Knox um, and just be like, hey, no, yeah. can we borrow this for the day? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so nothing too much interesting happening in this episode that's different other than I'm talking. <laughs> Hi, you, you, you get to hear me speak for a little bit for <laughs> our 100th episode. that's very interesting, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, please visit our website, uh, at trdshow.net for a lot of cool and interesting things, uh, such as our referral program. And again, go to our website. Like I said on Monday, go to our website to find more about that. Because I do not have, I do not have the wellspring of knowledge that Bruce <laughs> does about the website and stuff. <laughs> but, uh, you can also email us at trdshow at protonmail.com to uh, let us know your thoughts about uh, what we've said, we, what we've said on the show, and what we're going to say on the show, or even, and again, I'm bleeding into our topic episode here, but let us know some topic ideas that we hmm. might be able to do. Yeah, because uh, of course we're running short. You know? <laughs> and we've been saying that topic- for months. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they believe yeah. us anymore. No, believe us. Believe, <laughs> believe us. us. We're the government. Believe us. <laughs> um, but uh, we, of course, you know, we don't have an infinite amount of topics. Uh, so please send us more, so we have more options to do. So we don't <laughs> have to. We have a we have a list of topics, but of course, that list has to end sometime. Yep. And at some point, do. yeah. Dang! Wow, you get really up. Sad there. It's because I'm dying uh, in two days. What'd you expect my mood was gonna be? Yeah, that's true. That's I true. just planned right. my funeral yesterday. I mean, geesh. Why are you planning your funeral? Because I like to be prepared, okay. Ah. Uh, mm. <laughs> Even before he's married. <laughs> um, <laughs> um our, <laughs> our newsletter, right? 
I just had to mention, we have a newsletter, by we the do. way. If if there are any people who don't know that we have a newsletter, we do. <laughs> um, and basically what that is, is we're going to be sending emails to your inbox nonstop. <laughs> don't say that. But, don't believe um, it. No, no yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it will notify you when we have an episode that goes live, right? So, and that's and that's the good thing about it. That's the important thing about it, and why you should sign up for our newsletter at trdshow.net/newsletter, right? Put in your email, and it will begin to notify you whenever we have a live episode. You will never have to miss one of our episodes again. <laughs> Great marketing campaign, yes. love it. So today is Wednesday. And we are talking about the literature of the month, which this month is Mother Kirk, Essays on Church Life by Doug Wilson. And specifically today, we are going to be talking about chapter six. Sorry, chapter six. Yes, I was about to say 16. Nope, it's chapter six. Not quite yet. Um, to where Bruce has the majority of the stuff. So... Yeah, this is going to be fun. Hopefully... Hopefully his voice doesn't die, much like his body. Um, <laughs> My voice lives on long yeah. after I've been yeah. buried. <laughs> um, but before we get all into all of that interesting stuff, I know I said that weird. But, <laughs> uh, before we get all into all that, we are going to talk about the verse of the week, which is, oh, no, sorry, haven't done this. <laughs> I will be passing it over to Bruce oh, you want to me take to... care of this. You yes. got it. I can do yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> to take it, take care of it today. Okay. Um, so we're just switching roles a little bit here. Cool. And uh, typically Wednesday I would have it. Now Bruce has it. So Awesome. Take All it away, right. Bruce. Let's do it. Okay, so our verse this week is Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 9. And it says, If you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though your outcasts are in the utmost, uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. And again, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 9. So, as Jacob was mentioning on Monday, <clears throat> this actually ties in really well to not really the primary focus of the show, but it's certainly a topic we bring up so much because of the times in which we live, where modern-day evangelical churches are so flimsy and weak that they don't preach the whole counsel of God from their pulpits. They preach a basic limited gospel message, which ultimately causes a destruction of the nation they're in. And that's why we're going through Mother Kirk by Doug Wilson. And Doug Wilson's been laying out all of the solid doctrines that churches should be preaching but aren't. And he's going to start talking about the kingdom and how we should be working for the kingdom and there's so much more in this book we just won't be able to get to on the show because we're going to run out of days. But one of the most important things Jacob brought up on Monday that I'd just like to re-highlight here <clears throat> is that, um, you know, Jacob was saying that the rest of the uh, passage kind of hinges on our the first statement we find here, which says, if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, and then... The rest of the covenant is conditional on that. So we see this passage, I mean, we see this pattern all throughout scripture of you enter into a covenant with me and it's conditional. For Adam, it was, you know, don't eat the fruit and then you won't die. All of these different things came from that. Um, there were lots of other examples of this throughout 
the Old Testament as well. But this is a really good example. And we see this in another passage too, which we spoke about on the show a couple of weeks ago, where God said, if my people who are called by my name turn from their wicked ways and repent, he will hear our heal our land. He will hear us and heal our land. So this is something we need to remember. The blessings of God are not just something that we inherit uh, for nothing. This is something we, when we enter into a covenant with God, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Does that mean that our justification hinges on our works? Goodness, no. We are saved by faith and grace alone. Saved by grace. To faith. So, that's not what we're advocating for here. But what we are advocating and talking about is that just as in your personal life, your personal sanctification is an outpouring of your love for Christ, and a true Christian will work on his sanctification. James talks about good works and, our nece- and the necessity of us to do them. This verse is talking about the same thing, but for cultures. So we're talking about cultural sanctification, which is just as important as personal sanctification. But you can't have cultural sanctification without first having the people being personally sanctified. Yeah. Anything you'd like to add, Jake? Well, um, I should say I'll pass it back to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, something that's I think I, I mentioned on Monday, and I, I think it's not necessarily that, you know, this is exactly the case with this verse, but I, I find it a little bit of uh, compared uh, in comparison, not necessarily a comparison, but it's like almost the same as talking about salvation, right? It's like, if you return to me, right? If you put faith into, in Jesus Christ, um, uh, that then after that, right? You then follow his commandments, yes. right? It, if you it love feels me, like, keep my commandments. Yeah. And, and it's, it's very interesting that today we, we've kind of lost that. Mm. You know, you, he, you hear in churches and you hear pastors saying, talking about salvation, that you're saved, right? That, that you, um, Christ died on the cross for the, yeah. for the punishments of you're your sins. You're a newborn sins. creature. Yeah. You're saved. You know, you have a restored heart. But we never hear much about, okay, then what do we do now that we are saved? Yeah. Yeah. And, what are these commandments that we're supposed to be following and doing? And and as Christians, people have probably heard of the Ten Commandments, right? But it goes further than that. As we were saying again on Monday, the Ten Commandments are as if it was a table of contents, right? We have the chapter, chapter headings. But we need the rest of the chapter. We mm. need the actual words in the chapter. We need the rest yeah. of the six to seven pages that are within that chapter. Um, so, you know, and we're not getting that. Yep. But, exactly. Well, and we're so, going to be talking about our relationship to the Old Testament and those sorts mm-hmm. of covenants a lot more today in our conversations. So, yeah. stay tuned for that. Yeah. And... uh like I don't know, on Wednesday, as uh, as promised, we are going to be going over the literature of the month, which again is Mother Kirk, Essays on Church Life by Doug Wilson. And Bruce will be taking care of this unless his uh, his uh, throat uh, <laughs> dies. Yeah. Um, but um, Until then, we'll be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm 
passing it back to you, Bruce. Cool. All right. And I will attempt to keep my eyes open through the duration of this episode. Because this is some fascinating stuff. And I don't think that'll actually be that difficult. So, getting into the heart of the matter. The chapter 6, um, you know, a couple of weeks back we talked about the uh, so fourth commandment. We talked about the Lord's Day. And chapter 6, we mentioned back on that commandment episode, that topic episode, that we would be discussing the Lord's Supper in a future episode, and we have arrived. In our 100th episode, we are talking about the Lord's Day. So let's talk about the heart of the matter. You know, there's a lot of controversy. There are a lot of opinions and beliefs. Um, There are Sabbatarians. There are all sorts of very different people who believe very different things. But let's, let's focus on the heart of the matter and then extrapolate further points from there. So page 119, Doug Wilson said, too often questions about the fourth commandment deteriorate into whether or not we can ride bicycles in the park on the Lord's Day, rather than asking the question positively, what are we called to do, end quote. So also pages 19 through 20, a little bit of a shorter quote, even though it's two pages long, he said, we keep the day holy through ceasing from our own vocational business and resting from our labors in the presence of the Lord, end quote. So again, just to reiterate, these two quotes are getting to the heart of the matter, you know, and he's saying, we ask too often other Christians whether, hey, are we allowed to ride bikes in the park on Sunday? And he's just like, that's not the question you should be asking. You're completely missing the point. The question we should be asking is, what are we called to do? And he's going to list at least four different principles, guiding principles to answer that. So, um... That's the heart of the matter. Was that clear enough, Jake? Was there anything you wanted to add on the heart of what we're discussing today? I think it was clear. And um, I have more I want to say on specifically the Lord's Day. And I just, I kind of want to set it up right now in saying that it was until I read this part of the chapter I was always confused, right? I understood the tradition was that we always went to church on Sunday. Mm. But looking at creation, it says on the seventh day he rested. Right. right? And the seventh day is the Sabbath, the holy day. Yeah, which is Saturday, which is what the Catholic Church says. And so it's like, wait a second. And in our striving to follow all of the commandments in the Bible, shouldn't we be holding it on the seventh day? Mm-hmm. To yeah. which, you know, I loved this chapter in, in what Doug Wilson was setting up and is showing, you know, that, no, this is this is a difference. There is a tra- transfer in this from the seventh day to the first. Yes. So. Cool. Yeah. And I can't wait to hear more about that as well. So digging into a little bit more of the central focus of this day, um, the, my headline in my notes is the Lord's Day a celebration of the gospel. And, and uh, I almost said Gary DeMar, Doug Wilson talked a lot more about this on um, page 124. So get the book and check out that page if you're curious about more on the celebration of the gospel. But on page 124, Doug Wilson talked about how far too many Christians get caught in the weeds when they discuss the Sabbath day and they miss the point, kind of what we were just talking about earlier. He then brings up Psalm 118, 22 through 26, which says the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. 
It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And again, that was Psalm 118, verses 22 through 26. And so a core part of that verse is we find this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And what was he talking about? What is marvelous? What was just described in the first sentence, the stone that the builders rejected, which is Christ, has become the cornerstone. The stone that the builders crucified rose in three days and is now the cornerstone of the kingdom reigning from on high. So a little bit further, though, that he says this is marvelous. And then he says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And why should we, why should we rejoice? Why should we be glad in it? Because of what he just previously stated. So he went on to discuss how this day, the Sabbath, is a day that we should celebrate the joy of the gospel. So we should celebrate the resurrection and reign of Christ, which is marvelous in our eyes, which is what the psalmist is describing there. So you may not see it in my sick face and lack of emotion, emotional range, but this is meant to be a joyous occasion. This is meant to be a day that we look forward to throughout the week. And Doug Wilson gets even more into this on page 124, which we don't have time to get to, but get the book and check that out. Page 125, he says, this day, the day of his resurrection is the day the Lord has made. And it is the day on which we should rejoice in the gospel, end quote. That is the core foundation of why we celebrate Sabbath. <clears throat> so before I move on to work that is lawful to do on the Sabbath, Jake, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, so I think at this moment that I'm going to talk about the quotes that I found. Cool. And something, uh, all of this, right, I think really you have to, it is very inferred, right, of, of um, why it's changed, why it's transferred over. Um, but I think this is vitally important to understand that it is still based in scripture, whether it's explicitly stated and it's not explicitly stated that it's a command that it's changed but it is very much so something that did change right and it changed during christ's lifetime right so i think the question should be if it changed while christ was still here on earth why did he say nothing about it if it was if it wasn't something that he commanded for us to do Hmm. Um, but first of all, starting on page 122, Doug Wilson says, But on what basis do we say there has been a transfer of the day from the seventh to the first? Right? So he's, he's bringing up this question, why is there a transfer? Why did we change? To which he answers it by, on page 122, still on the same page, by saying, we should begin with the basis of the transfer, which is the Lord's resurrection on the first day of the week. Uh, Mark sixteen nine, John 21. He then made a point of appearing to the disciples on the following Sunday, John twenty twenty six. He was establishing a pattern for them to follow, which was reinforced again by the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, also a Sunday. So, 
we see here that ever since his resurrection, right, resurrecting on the first day of the week, and um, we then find also that he made it a point to appear to the disciples on the following Sunday. Hmm. And again, this is still based on scripture. The scripture shows this. Ah. First of all, the verses showing Mark sixteen nine, John twenty one, and then John twenty twenty six. You know, so very much so, it's reinforced. It's it's shown that there is now a different pattern, and they're following a different pattern. Um, and again, this becomes even more clear on page, still on page one twenty two, where Doug Wilson says. They met together to break bread in the Lord's Supper on the Lord's Day, also gathering for the teaching of the Word. Mm. Right, um, and this is in this is like connected to the last quote, showing that the Lord's Day is this same this first day of the week. Interesting too that that's connected to communion. Mm-hmm. That they celebrated that once a week as well, yeah. the King's Feast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, finally, a new page on page 123, Doug Wilson, uh, moves on to say the author of Hebrews puts everything in theological perspective when he says, for he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his Mm. Hebrews 4, 10. Um, the passage is admittedly vague, Eh, continuing on with the quote, sorry. The passage is admittedly vague because of the use of many pronouns, but we still understand the point through examining the context. Just as God accomplished the work of creation and then rested from his labors, so the Son of God accomplished the work of redemption and then rested rested from his labors. So I, I think it's interesting here that he's reestablishing it the same way that God established the seventh day as the Sabbath, right? The seventh day as um, the day of rest. So also Christ from his resurrection is seemingly establishing the first day as the day of rest and the first day as, uh, as, the, as the Sabbath, as the holy day. Hmm. So I, I find it very interesting. Again, it's, it's, it is inferred right, from these different passages, but I would claim that it's not without um, biblical representation, right? There's still a lot of biblical proofs to show that this is true. Um, so, and that, that's, that's how I argue it, and I, that's why I think Sunday is, you know, the Lord's Day should yeah. be the Sabbath. That's great. Yeah, there's so much there. Um, appreciate you digging into it and kind of pulling out some of those quotes because it is a complicated topic and it's interesting. You know, other religions like the Catholic Church have continued to keep it on seventh day. And so it's always interesting to know why we as Protestants did not. So, yeah, it's fascinating. <clears throat> Very cool. So, got about uh, six to seven minutes left. So, let me just briefly get into the work that is lawful to do on the Sabbath. So, page 120, Doug Wilson said, What kinds of work are lawful on the Sabbath? First, one type of work is mandatory on the Sabbath. That's the work of worship. 
in Leviticus 23, verse 3, we see that part of the Sabbath observance was a weekly convocation and feast, end quote. And on that same page, page 120, I didn't include it here because we, of course, want to direct everyone in our audience to go buy this book for themselves and do their own research and check our facts, as we always encourage you to do that. But he went into more detail on what a weekly convocation that's mentioned here in Leviticus. He meant, went into more detail on what that actually means on page 120. So if you have the book, great, check that out. Otherwise, get the book. Come on. It's not too late. Okay, page 120, another quote, he went on to say, We are also taught in scripture that works of necessity and mercy are permitted on the Lord's day. The disciples harvested grain in order to eat on the Sabbath. Mark 2, verses 23 through 28. So, works of necessity, works of worship, we find two different types of work there. Um, And there's two more. On page 120, Doug Wilson said, With regard to mercy, our Lord was not reluctant to heal on the Sabbath. Mark 3, verses 2 through 5. Therefore, Jesus said, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And uh, Matthew 12, 12 has that as well. From this point, we may gather that works of necessity, for example, food preparation and mercy, visiting the sick or hosting guests, are fully lawful, end quote. So, that was quite fascinating. Um, So, we have our works of necessity. We have, first and foremost, worship on the Sabbath. Um, We have uh, doing good on the Sabbath. We have works of mercy. We have a lot of different things. Summing it up, though, on page 121, Doug Wilson has a great quote to kind of pull all this together. He said, consequently, putting this together, we see there are four aspects to proper observance of the day. Those four aspects are rest, worship, maintenance, and mercy. Some Sabbatarians, unfortunately, leave out the first component, that of rest. God does not command us to work one way for six days and work hard another way on the seventh. The Lord's day is a day of rest, end quote. That last quote I really love, you know, where he's talking about, he said, God does not command us to work one way for six days and work hard another way on the seventh. That is not what we're called to do. And if we think that, we're kind of, again, missing the point. So we've got about three to four minutes left. I will just leave you with a few smaller quotes. Um, Page 124, Doug Wilson said, the day should be filled with rest, worship, things necessary, and things kind. In the time left over, the time should be filled with activities that are consistent with the first four, and which the person wants to do, having been disciplined and instructed by the first four, end quote. So, there was a lot more in this chapter, unfortunately, my voice is rapidly dying, Mm. (laughs) but um, some other, I'll just list the headings, and this is why we encourage you to look up and read through this book, chapter six. Some of the things, two of the other things he talked about, and I kind of have two quotes under each heading. The first heading is the law from the Old Testament to the New. And he talked about how that law continued, how it's been modified, and what that relationship of that law, that covenant, looks like between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that's page 122. He talked all about that. 
And then he talked more about the joy of the gospel in our resting. And this was a theme that he just kind of brought up so many times throughout the chapter, just the joy of the gospel in our day of rest. Like that should be our focus. Um, page 126, he really goes into more detail on that. So check out those quotes. Those are really helpful to read through. Well, yeah, what a great, great, great episode. Um, thanks for watching and listening today. And uh, we shall see you in the next episode. Yeah, and you definitely don't want to miss this. We have Pastor Jonathan Hansen from the Connection Church in Lead, and he is my pastor. We're going to be having him on the Friday episode to talk about the State of Theology Report from Ligonier Ministries. You do not want to miss this. There's so, so much there, and I can't wait to get his insights on that topic. Do you want me to wrap it up, Jake? Yeah. yeah. All right. That's good. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks again, everyone, so much for watching. Thanks for um, listening or watching us. And leave a comment on Jacob's excellent work on being the host today. Thanks so much, Jake, for giving my voice a rest. And <laughs> um, don't forget our website, trdshow.net. Send us an email, trdshow at protonmail.com. Sign up for our newsletter, which is on the website. And Sign up for this event coming up in two weeks, I think it is, at the conference in Knoxville, Tennessee, flfnetwork.com slash Knoxville 2022. We can't wait to meet you there, and I'm sure you can't wait to hear from all the incredible pastors and speakers who will be speaking at that event. And in the meantime, remember everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. <laughs>